What is that when you jump around and carry on and do the who dat who dat stuff? Who dat? You know, that's really kind of a, a fan. You know, that's that's our 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 chant. Duncan Holder podcast back here with you. Larry Holder, Jeff Duncan here on the Athletics Podcast Network. Of course, we're going to be talking all things Saints and free agency as we are one week into free agency. And since we last left you, the Saints made a couple of moves, I would say, significant in uh, more ways than one each of the moves of course we'll talk about that what's next uh, and where does that lead us when we get to the draft which will basically be uh, a month away from the draft right now so of course if you're listening to this podcast you're doing so in multiple ways hopefully theathletic.com of course you can jump on we are giving a 90-day free trial for new subscribers so you could jump on theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder Subscribe, 90 free days, and you can get all of our podcasts, everything with the Athletic New Orleans, everything on all of our other uh, cities and teams and everything we're doing. And look, we're, we're doing still some tremendous work, even though there's a lack of games going on. Also, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can subscribe there, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell a million. Uh, we're all stuck uh, in basically our own self-quarantine, right? So jump on the Duncan Holder podcast. But Jeff, uh, since we last left, a couple of significant moves, I would say, with the Saints. And let's start with the most recent, with Emmanuel Sanders. And Jeff, you look at the needs and how many people were clamoring uh, in Saints land for someone like Emmanuel Sanders and... We could go through the ins and outs of what it means, but but Jeff, it's uh, it's a move that we don't see very often by the Saints go out and pay for a free agent receiver, and yet I don't think the Saints did anything to overpay for a free agent receiver, and probably got the best fit that was ever going to be coming on the market uh, that would hit free agency. Yeah, didn't you think, uh, Larry? Didn't you think it was a pretty good deal too? What was it, eight million a year? Yeah, and it could, like jump, it could jump to nine a year. But that's in this climate, uh, I think that's fine. And the Saints, what they did was they created the cap space. But, Jeff, I think uh, they've known Emmanuel Sanders for a long time. And then I think they saw what he did to them when he jumped on the 49ers uh, in, in the Superdome uh, and, and really torched them. I think uh, they saw a guy they absolutely wanted and – Honestly, Jeff, I do think, though, that the market helped dictate this because they got him kind of in that second wave of free agency. Yeah, and if you look at his career, I mean, he fits the exact profile of everything the Saints look for in a free agent, in a veteran guy like that. I mean, he's incredibly productive. He's come from winning organizations. I mean, he played with the Steelers, was in the Super Bowl with them, was in the Super Bowl, obviously, with the with the Broncos and also with San Francisco last year. So he's come from winning organizations. Uh, he's produced everywhere he's been. His, his career is unbelievably consistent. I mean, his numbers every year he produces. Uh, this is the kind of guy that you uh, really, I think, can feel good about investing in. I know he's going to be 33 years old, uh, you know, but the Saints are in win-now mode. They're trying to win another Super Bowl with Drew Brees, They've got a 
very narrow window here. So it makes sense on both sides why this deal came about. He's a perfect fit, a perfect complement to Mike Thomas. I think he'll be working a lot in the slot. And um, it's just a, it makes sense all the way around. Now, if you can add another receiver in the draft, I know we talk about this, how some of these moves affect them in the draft, but uh, I don't think it precludes them from also drafting a receiver in the first round if there's one there they like. But if you look at a lineup right now, say they don't even get another receiver, and you've got Mike Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Alvin Kamara, those four, anybody else throw in into the mix there. That's a pretty, pretty dynamic uh, foursome to give Drew Brees to operate with. How could you, Jeff, how could you leave out Taysom Hill? What is the matter with you? He's the ultimate X factor. Come on. Good point. No, but but, you know, don't you think, don't you think this is a, a, makes this signing made perfect sense in every way? Oh, absolutely. And it's a, it's someone that when you saw a free agency list of wide receivers, you could point to him immediately and say he would be a perfect compliment to Mike Thomas. And, uh, look, and, and he's never been, say, a number one guy, uh, but he has never been, say, someone like a number three guy. Like, he's always been a guy who can take the heat off of someone. And you just look at his numbers. Uh, of course, he he started playing well as a younger receiver. Then he goes to Denver and then really thrives. And uh, Denver trades him away to San Francisco, and it didn't take him any time at all to jump into the fray there. And so uh, he was a big piece of the puzzle that San Francisco absolutely needed to propel themselves to get to the Super Bowl, Jeff. And so uh, I don't think that uh, when you look at the way this team is set up, Mike Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, and I do think you're right that it does leave them available for best player available. Uh, as far as number 24 or even throughout the draft. They don't ever have to feel like they need to uh, go and stretch for a wide receiver. And yet, this is a guy who veteran... It's funny also, Jeff. It's like they've gone through and gotten veteran-laden people almost in every position group. And I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. I mean, obviously you have Drew Brees. Uh, we, we know Kamara is going into his fourth year, but you have a Latavius Murray. You have a Jared Cook at tight end. At wide receiver, you've got an Emmanuel Sanders who's been to Super Bowls, uh, plural. You've got offensive linemen that certainly knows uh, their way around the block. Cam Jordan up front, Demario Davis in the middle, uh, as, as far as in the middle of the defense with linebackers, and Malcolm Jenkins. And, and mm-hmm. Janoris Jenkins has played a bunch. So you've got so many veteran voices that maybe the Saints didn't have uh, as much un- or reliable veteran voices. Maybe they probably yeah. Emmanuel Sanders might be a little bit more reliable as far as listening to him than someone like Ted Ginn, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, uh, you know, just the, just the profile of the guys that they usually bring in, they want, if they're going to spend money in free agency, they want a guy that's going to come and fit in culturally into this locker room. Emmanuel Sanders, anything you've ever heard about him, He's a winner. He competes, loves football, uh, you know, helps younger players. I mean, all these things that the Saints look for in their uh, in their veterans that they bring in, he checks those boxes. Uh, he's durable. I think he's only had a couple of injuries in his career. I mean, he hasn't missed very many games, even though he is getting up in his 30s. And I think uh, this now gives them the luxury at number 24, really, to go in any way they want. I mean, I think – 
because this roster is so deep, Larry, I think they could kind of apply the uh, quality over quantity approach and, and could trade up again like they always do. Just because there's not that many draft picks going to make this roster. This roster is already very deep. Uh, they could afford to maybe trade up and try and get an impact talent if there's one they really, really like. Or they could sit there 24 and let somebody fall to them like a Ryan Ramchek did and get a guy that they have graded higher than everybody else and be perfectly fine with that. Or I even think they could trade down. I know they never do it, but they could trade down and, and accrue the lost picks that they uh, dealt away in past drafts uh, to, to move up for Marcus Davenport and the other moves they made. They could also do that because I really think the player they take, and you've done your mocks, I know I've done my mocks, the player they get at 24 really isn't going to be a lot different than the player they probably would get if they traded down, say, somewhere to the top of the second round. Uh, I think that's going to be the same level grade player. And they may say, you know what, we could get a cornerback and a receiver uh, if we trade down, uh, where they're not probably going to get the same level player waiting all the way to the third round, which is what they have to do right now with their current draft uh, slotting. So I, I could see them going in a number of directions and being very flexible right now because of this signing. Yeah, 24 is probably that borderline, Jeff, of a lot of teams. They don't ever have 32 graded first-round picks. I mean, that's just not the nature of what this is. Uh, I don't know how deep it goes, but 24 is probably around the borderline. And the Saints have afforded themselves to go in any sort of different direction that they want to. And uh, adding Sanders... Uh, not necessarily feeling like they absolutely have to go out and get a safety because uh, instead of Von Bell, they had Malcolm Jenkins and they don't feel like he's just going to be there for a year. And uh, now at some point they might look free safety with Marcus Williams going in the final year of his deal. But, you know, you, you look at it in that sense as well. But Jeff, I think that trading down, I'm never going to assume they're going to trade down. I mean, that's, we've seen this so many times and, if they're going to, they might trade up into round three, like somewhere higher up into round three. I mean, we've seen them do that a lot of times. Look, last year they traded in, you know, way up into round two to go get Eric McCoy. So they might do that route. But I feel like if they stand pat at 24, I do feel like they can get someone, whether it's, you can name it, a receiver, uh, an offensive lineman, if, I don't know if the grades are going to be high enough for that, but a linebacker or a corner, uh, you know, it does open the door for them to be more flexible. Uh, and Jeff, I know you're going to be doing a mock this week. I'm actually already put my together my mock. Catherine Terrell has her latest Saints mock draft up. Uh, and uh, look, I'm, I'm curious to see where we go from there. I've already got my players picked out and I have a different strategy because of uh, what they've already done in free agency. Yeah, I, I kind of stayed the same. Uh, I, I went in a different direction at round one, but I really believe uh, they could draft anybody there. Uh, you know, they could draft. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them to draft a tackle, even. You know, like you could look down the road and say, "Hey, this guy, maybe we could slot him in a guard early in his career uh, if we move on from Larry Warford in a year, and then and then when Taron Armstead uh, moves on, we have our other tackle. I mean, things like that can happen." So I, I, I would not put it past them to take an offensive lineman. Uh, I would be surprised if they took a defensive lineman just because they're so deep there. I think that's the one area I would be surprised. Um, 
And you know me, I don't think they're going to take a quarterback because I think they've got their quarterback of the future already on the roster. Well, you look at it, and I'm thinking just out loud now, the trade down possibility, if someone uh, is really high on a quarterback and say Jordan Love falls to 24, that might be the one scenario I could see the Saints trading down. And now it'd have to be someone who still has a first-round pick or someone high in the second round. But that, to me, would be like the player that could change the way the Saints think as far as being open to trade down. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, here's here's how the thing would play out. I mean, talking to scouts, it sounds like there's about – and this is true most years. You're exactly right. There's not 32 graded first-round talents in most drafts. Most of them are around – 15 to 20 first round grades. This year, I think it's around 20. So the Saints at 24 are on the outside of that, but invariably, one of the Saints' 20 first round grades will drop to them at 24, and they're fine taking them right there. But if they don't, if say all 20 of their players are gone, that say they have on their first round grades, and somebody wants to trade up for a Jordan Love or someone like that, a quarterback, uh, say you have somebody at the top of the second round, say the LA chargers who have the number 37 pick high in the second round, they want to go up and get Jordan love and make him their quarterback of the future, which would make sense, right? Why wouldn't you trade down to number 38, pick up maybe another second or third round pick, maybe a future second round pick. Um, That would make a lot of sense to me because the player, the saints take at 38 is probably not going to be a whole lot different in a grade than the player they get at 24, assuming, assuming that, one of their first round graded players is not still there. I think all things being equal, they'd want to stay and take that guy if he if he falls. But if their their cloud is dry, it would make sense to trade down and accrue an extra pick. Yeah, and when you look at, for an example, and Jeff, it's funny you mentioned you know a lot a lot of times their first round graded guy, someone on their board they feel highly about better than others falls to them, and it happened in 2017 at 32. I mean Ryan Ramchek fell, they definitely had a first-round grade on him, and obviously they were right there. So a lot of times uh, that happens, and I'm guessing they probably had a first-round grade on Reuben Foster at that point, and not knowing, of course, in hindsight, what kind of trouble he would get himself into. But still, uh, they felt good at 32 taking someone, and uh, obviously they got that pick right. So all right, Jeff, let's stay along the offensive line. Andres Pete back with the Saints. I think that you and me were both surprised to some level of degree, depending on uh, which aspect you looked at it. Maybe I was surprised that uh, that Andres Pete got the money that he got from yeah. the Saints. I think that's my biggest thing because once we started seeing the guard market dry up and we didn't see Pete's name floating around. Uh, you could probably sense that maybe the Saints were entertaining him coming back. But, Jeff, I look at the market. It's $33 million guaranteed. Uh, what is it, $11 million a year per average. It's the highest guard contract for a long-term deal this offseason. And I know you've done the homework on him. I know I've done the homework on him. And I think part of that is, is that we've seen too much inconsistent play for the money that he is picking up. Yeah, it surprised me. There's no doubt. I mean, I, I, the money especially, uh, the length of the deal, 
Uh, now, maybe they know something internally that we don't know. I mean, we, we hear these stories all the time, Larry. I mean, the, the latest one was Cam Jordan. He was playing injured in the last quarter of the season. That happens a lot in the NFL where guys keep injuries uh, quiet, play close to the vest for obvious reasons, competitive reasons. Is that the issue with Andre Pete? Was that why we saw some of his games? I don't think that's the case, though. Even though I've seen him play, and look, let's let's give him credit for that. He will play through injuries. He's played a lot. Remember, he's played with that big cast on his hand. Um, but what I see from him, the inconsistencies aren't necessarily physical. It's mental. Uh, you know, him blowing assignments, blowing uh, a blocking assignment. We see him often uh, missing a block and just whiffing completely because of a mental error that leads to an open rusher on Drew Brees. It's happened a number of times. A lot of times Drew gets rid of the ball before he ever even gets sacked, and you don't even know that that, that was statistically a, a miss. So I, I personally am very surprised. The one thing I think it gives them, though, now is it does give them a security because Pete can swing out the tackle. He gives them flexibility. That's obviously a valued asset. Uh, he does allow them now some uh, relief along the offensive line. They're set along the offensive line. And we know how much Sean Payton values that up front. Uh, maybe they wanted to continue that stability and continuity. When they looked around what was left in the in the free agent market, they must not have liked anything else and decided to go with, uh, you know, better the devil, go with the devil you know than the one you don't know. And in this case, I think they're going to try and coach Andres Pete up and get a better season out of him. But the last two years have not been good. And don't let anybody try and sway you out there saying Andres Pete. Uh, played well the last two years. He did not. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, the numbers were bad. All you had to see is him getting beat by Aaron Donald game two of the regular season. And that's where, of course, Drew Brees got hit, got the thumb hurt. And I know a lot of fans have that image still stuck in their head of Andres Pete just looking back in horror as Aaron Donald is like swallowing Drew Brees uh, in week two at Los Angeles. Uh, but look, I'm not going to fault Andres Pete for the money. Uh, if this goes bad, it's not Pete's fault that he was able to get this money. So I'm all about a player getting paid. Good for them. But, I mean, this could turn out to be bad for the Saints. And uh, I could just go back to the a story. It's one of those insider reporter stories where uh, back in the 2015 draft, uh, the Saints were basically stuck with having to take the best player available on their board, and it was Andres Pete because a couple of guys came off the board. I know right before Danny Shelton came off the board, and I thought yep. he would have been a really good fit, and he got taken the pick before, and the Saints basically got caught in a bad spot and just had to take Andres Pete. And I was definitely critical of the pick then, and I remember Sean Payton saying uh, maybe a year or so ago, two years ago, how uh, he still remembers how he was angry at my criticism of the pick and he wanted to call and choke me through the phone. His words, <laughs> choke me through the phone because I was not high on the pick. And but I'm not going to be high on this, but it does bring at least a sense of, all right, the Saints know what he is. They know what he can do well. They know what he can't do well. And they go forward from there. And But Jeff... In my conversations at the Combine with people about their interior offensive line, Pete really wasn't the point of contention. 
it was actually Larry Warford that I was hearing some negative things spoken about. And so, so much so where we talked about it in the podcast, I've written about it so much so where they feel like interior offensive line is still a need. Uh, if Eric McCoy, uh, they find someone at, at center, they might shift him to guard at some point, maybe not this year, but next year. And they are looking for better things from Larry Warford. I could tell you that. And so it's certainly something that the Saints, I feel like, will take an interior offensive line somewhere in this draft. Uh, it might be round three. It might be four or five. Maybe they love someone in round two and they trade up to go get. But I am convinced that they will still go after an interior offensive lineman in this draft. 100% agree. This is Larry Warford's, I think, last year in New Orleans. He's not under contract beyond 2020. Uh, he will have been in the league quite a long time. Uh, I would think they would move on from him. But maybe they also strategically are trying to light a fire under him. Uh, we know that people will do this in the league. That is basically saying to him, hey, ship up, shape up or ship out, right? Uh, we'll hold that. We're not extending you for a reason. And the reason we're not extending you is we want to see you, uh, you know, prove it to us that you're worth an extension. And that lights a fire under a veteran like Larry Warford. Maybe he gets in shape this offseason and responds to that subtle pressure or not so subtle pressure, if you will. And maybe there's some strategy to that as well, because we know he played well early in his career here and had certainly has the talent, uh, but his drop off also has been noticeable the last year or so. And that's an area the saints definitely could use an upgrade. And I could definitely see them drafting someone high uh, if nothing else to give them some insurance in case, uh, you know, Larry Warford doesn't come around. Yeah, look, he'll be 29 by mid-June, so he's in offensive line years. That's he's still kind of in that prime age. It's not, you know, offensive linemen can play till their mid-30s if they're really good. So it's not like we're saying that Larry Warford's washed up. Because personally, when I started hearing all this, I was kind of taken aback of what I was hearing uh, w- with him. But you could tell in 2019 that he wasn't the same guy he maybe was in 2017. And it's not like he was awful, but I just think the Saints know they need to protect that interior of the offensive line. Uh, Look, you saw Drew Brees get hurt. Max Unger saw he was falling off and retired. They know how important it is definitely for someone like Drew Brees to keep the middle of that pocket clean. Because say if someone rushes from the outside, you've seen it so many times, Jeff, he'll just travel the pocket and make the throw. But if someone comes in his space, he's not someone who is going to sprint to the outside either way and be effective. He could climb the pocket back and forth. Uh, and that is such a key thing to have the middle of the pocket clean. Every team in the league knows the way to disrupt the Saints' offense is to get a pass rush in Drew Brees' face. That's what they all try to do. We saw the Vikings in the playoffs use a strategy where they move their defensive ends inside to create some pass rush, uh, pass protection issues for the Saints guards. Uh, I expect other teams to try that. We saw, you mentioned Aaron Donald. I mean, Aaron Donald kind of does that to everybody. He's the best defensive lineman in the league, but that is how you disrupt the Saints offense. It's how you disrupt most offenses, but especially with a six-foot quarterback like Breeze who throws through windows and passing lanes. He's relying on that. He has been his whole career. Uh, So they've got to get better production out of their guards or else they're going to have some new guards, I think, in 2021 going forward. But obviously, Andres Pete with this deal, 
is locked in now for the uh, foreseeable future. And I think in some ways it makes sense because of that flexibility, that his ability to play tackle is a very valuable commodity, especially with Taron Armstead's injury history. Um, I think that's something that uh, going forward they're going to have to monitor because Taron Armstead's a great player when he's healthy, uh, but he just has really struggled to stay healthy, especially the last three or four years. And it's not just one thing with Armstead. It's it's something – it's f- like from head to toe. I mean, he, he, he gets banged up, and I know he's – he is the first one to be extremely frustrated when some of these things happen. Uh, but Jeff, I will say that there's no doubt that if Armstead goes down and history shows he will at some point go down in the season, whether it's one game, five games. I mean, remember, he made his first Pro Bowl bid and only played 10 regular season games. He came back for the postseason, but he only played 10 regular season games. And uh, remember last year he played injured and only missed one game. If you, if you can remember that, look, he, here's, here's his from becoming the starter. Let's just go back to 2014. He started 14, 13, seven, 10, 10. And last year was the most games he played uh, started was 15 games. And he played through that season hurt. And so there's no doubt in my mind, the best backup is Pete. I mean, I, 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 we could you could criticize Pete all you want, but he's undoubtedly the best backup at left tackle the Saints could have, and you can mix and match at guard, but you're not going to find a better backup left tackle. And look, he is a viable starter. He's just not as highly touted as maybe some people think with Pete. I mean, he makes his mistakes, but to me, there is no doubt, and there's definitely some value there. Uh, as you pointed out, Jeff. Well, look, the continuity the Saints have now on offense, uh, you know, we kidded about Emmanuel Sanders coming in and having to run routes with Drew Brees and not being able to do that. But that's a huge advantage for them, Larry. I mean, having basically their entire starting offense back uh, for the most part, other than Emmanuel Sanders, I guess, is the one newcomer into that mix, is a huge competitive advantage right now with what is going on with the coronavirus, the lockdown basically is preventing teams from operating uh, in a conventional offseason. This is a highly unconventional offseason. And I think the stability and continuity of the Saints, having the same head coach, same quarterback, same general manager, same basic offensive personnel intact, uh, they don't have to worry about trying to get to know each other, trying to learn a new offense that's not the case in Carolina where you have all kinds of turnover, new head coach, new GM, new quarterback. Uh, in Tampa where they're trying to incorporate Tom Brady into a new offense, uh, he's going to have to work by FaceTime, and I'm sure he will. And if there's anybody that can overcome it, it's Tom Brady. It's still an advantage for the Saints to have this stability and continuity. They're not having to go through a major transition like some of their competitors. And I think in this case – uh, stability is going to be a big factor for the Saints going forward because uh, very few teams in the league can match what the Saints have. Uh, I think Tom Brady could probably swindle like an indoor uh, practice facility with no germs. Uh, everyone gets tested for Corona coming in, and he might swindle some sort of hidden workouts. Uh, I, I could see that. He, he'll go to like Montana and build a bubble or something and – and do that like he he would usually do with with like Julian Edelman and all his all his other buddies. Uh, uh, but no, in all seriousness, yeah, I, the the Saints are certainly in an advantage there, and 
there's no doubt that bringing some like a veteran receiver as opposed to having to absolutely lean on a rookie coming in to play a significant role i think going out and getting emmanuel sanders is the perfect perfect receiver that's on the market that the saints could have gone and gotten and they did and they deserve all the kudos that they're receiving publicly because i think it's uh, one of the more shrewd moves we've seen in the entire offseason now they could have gone and traded I don't know. They could have traded like a retired Zach line and like a fifth round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. I don't know if the Saints knew that, Jeff. That's that's on them. Well, no, you make a great point about about Sanders being a veteran. I mean, working on my book project this offseason, doing a lot of work uh, with the offensive staff, that's a high premium for the offense, Saints offensive staff is getting receivers that can learn this offense, it's, it's a big challenge. It's why young receivers like a Traquan Smith, like you know some of these guys that come in and struggle a little bit with consistency, it's not really a, a, a demerit on Traquan Smith. This is a hard offense to get to know, get to, to learn, because, because Breeze, Carmichael, Peyton, they're all at one level, and they're not dumbing it down. You've got to catch up to them. So these young receivers come in. I remember talking to Emmanuel Butler about everyone wondered why Emmanuel Butler dropped off the face of the earth right after training camp. It's because of this. The learning curve is so steep. Uh, Once they get like the last week of training camp, they start working on regular season mode basically in their installation, and it changes. All these tags and and new uh, adjustments that were not in the game plan or in the playbook before that, are all thrown at these young guys, and it their heads start swimming, and it's completely overwhelming to these young players because they're trying to learn Saints offense PhD level, and they've been in Saints 101. And that's why I think a guy like Sanders, because he's been in so many different systems with so many good quarterbacks, that learning curve is going to be a lot less for him than it would a rookie that they try and bring in. And I, I would expect even if they draft a rookie in the first round, He'll probably do what most young receivers do, and that is they'll stick him at one position, you know, the X or the Z or the slot, and that's all he'll have to learn. Whereas a guy like Sanders will probably be able to play multiple positions very quickly because of his uh, his background and experience. And, Jeff, it, you say that Emmanuel Sanders thrived with Ben Roethlisberger and Peyton Manning. And, look, I don't know Ben Roethlisberger all that well, but you and me know Peyton Manning. And if you can be a stud receiver in that offense, and remember at that time he's playing with Peyton Manning. He also has uh, uh, Demarius Thomas, who of course was a stud receiver at that point in time. Uh, If you can thrive with Peyton Manning and know what he's knowing and all of this, I'm sure that is just a number of one of many reasons why uh, that, that Saints offense and Sean Payton and that staff Really wanted Emmanuel Sanders. All right, before we wrap up this edition of the Duncan Holder Podcast, Jeff, uh, places you think the Saints still actually need to address because you go into free agency, the Saints added two players from off the roster. They added Malcolm Jenkins, but he's replacing, of course, Von Bell. Then you look at... Emmanuel Sanders and he's a new receiver coming in so 
you could look and they kept a lot of their own on Yamada, Pete. And so when you look at it this way, the Saints didn't necessarily address a ton of the holes, maybe even though small holes, but uh, there are still holes on this roster I feel like they could address. What are some of the places you feel like they could go? Well, I think they need to get a, a veteran linebacker. They had some depth there, right? I mean, you got Alonzo's re-signed. He has a, a long injury history. So does Alex Anzalone. I think you're pretty depth shy there. I think we all agree. Uh, beyond the starters, you only really had Craig Robertson has any experience. So I really expect them to bring in a veteran linebacker. They might even draft a linebacker. A little tease in my upcoming mock draft. I've got them taking a linebacker pretty high, and that's totally anti-Jeff Duncan uh, strategy. Are you feeling um, okay? No, I just it, it went that way. What could I say? Uh, but um, I think linebacker makes a lot of sense. And the other sneaky position that I don't think people are looking at is tight end. Uh, you know, once you get past Jared Cook and Josh Hill, uh, this team doesn't have very much depth. Garrett Griffin is a tight end on the roster that doesn't have a ton of experience. Uh, I could see them uh, getting a tight end, whether it's in the draft. I know last year they drafted Alizé Mack and it didn't work out. Uh, I could see them drafting a tight end or getting a veteran just for uh, depth purposes because I think you know Jared Cook's going in. This would be the last year of his deal. Uh, he's, I think, 33 as well. I mean, he looked great last year. I, we could see them extending him. But we know Josh Hill's had a ton of injuries, ton of concussion issues, which is what every tight end has to endure. So I think tight end, I could see them either drafting one or bringing in a veteran just for this year uh, because that's a critical position in the Saints' offense. And last year, Taysom Hill was basically the third tight end, and you know going forward that that's not going to continue to be the case. Right, and you could see Jared Cook maybe getting a one-year deal, and and Taysom Hill is still under the contract uh, even after this year. I mean, I, I mean – Josh Hill, excuse me. Wrong Hill. Wrong Idaho Hill. I'm sorry I misspoke. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I think tight end, that's a really good spot. Uh, Jeff, I would also look at running back. And I did my roster analysis, Mm -hmm. and that that poor room is pretty empty. I mean, you have two fullbacks and two tailbacks, and that's it right now. You have Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara, and then you have Ricky Ortiz, and they just signed Michael Burton. Uh, I think they're going to add a tailback or two. Or three uh, at some point, whether it's undrafted, maybe in the draft, maybe someone they feel like in free agency. But, uh, you know, you, you, I think running back is definitely a, uh, a sneaky need. Uh, well, maybe not necessarily a need because you got one, two, but you know what I'm saying. You need yeah. you at least need a I'm third you. back. You need because Dwayne Washington is a unrestricted free agent. Maybe they re-sign him. They like him on special teams and that would be fine. But that, that's a, as a bright this second, it's kind of a sneaky need. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you at tight end. I look at it like 2010. Uh, they had Shockey, they had David Thomas, and then they went out and drafted a not a project, but someone in the third round named Jimmy Graham, and then he emerged to be the number one tight end. So uh, you know maybe they could do something there. But yeah, look, uh, like I said, another tease. I've got a mock draft coming up. Catherine Terrell has her latest Saints mock coming up. I'm going to have mine as well, and. Jeff, I think we're all thinking along the same lines because I'm going linebacker as well with my first pick. But you know me. I'm a linebacker, long snapper kind of a guy. You're you're more of like a, a Swiss Army knife slash uh, sometimes claims Louisville kind of a guy. I, I'm My linebacker is strictly a role player, and he's not the first round. So I, I'm just shocked I even had him pick him one at all because it seems like wow. 
they don't very very often draft linebackers very high. But this is a weird year. I don't know about you, but it feels like a weird year for the Saints in the draft. We can talk about this on a future pod, and I'm sure we will. But the the, the areas the Saints need, other than wide receiver, doesn't really marry up very well um, with what you know where they're drafting. It feels like the way the boards stack. Uh, so I expect the Saints, as usual, to be very aggressive and move around. I'll be shocked if the Saints end up with the five picks they have, making those five selections. I think they're going to be moving all over the place. Yeah, I mean, they may make five selections, but it could certainly move. Uh, they might make six. They might make four. I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's definitely something. That's a good point. Some of the needs they have, uh, maybe the the depth isn't as good in the draft pool at, at certain other spots. So uh, we will certainly talk about that on a later podcast. But I uh, want to thank our producer, Danielle, for putting up with us as always. Of course, rate, review, subscribe, go to Apple, Spotify, get on the Duncan Holder podcast. Or once again, I can't stress this enough, 90-day free trial, theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. Through there, you can go straight to our podcast. But of course, you have access to everything in the athletic universe, everything New Orleans Saints, LSU, Pelicans, Tulane, Anything else important in New Orleans, we write about it. And, of course, across the country and across the world, all of our coverage. And we're doing some great storytelling uh, right now, even though the games aren't being played. Theathletic.com slash Duncan Holder. 90-day free subscription. uh, 90-day free trial, of course, uh, for The Athletic. I'm telling you, you won't turn back. So, for Jeff Duncan, I'm Larry Holder. Thanks again for jumping on the Duncan Holder podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, soon here on the Athletics Podcast Network.